As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. You're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. I'm very excited to officially welcome our co-host uh, from here on out. It's AJ Maletsko. AJ, welcome aboard. Thank you, Arthur. I am thrilled to be along for the ride this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun to uh, to have you give your insights. And I know you're going to have a busy schedule, whether it's with uh, NBC or MSG. You're going to be watching a lot of hockey, is all, is all I'm saying. So you'll have a lot of things to to give us here uh, when we evaluate the Islanders and talk about the news from the team. So, well, it's been a long three and a half. It's been a long three and a half months that none of us have watched any hockey at all. So, I hope there's a lot of hockey <laughs> on the menu for for all of us, all of us fans of the NHL. Yeah, they do have a lot on the schedule. We just have to keep our fingers crossed that they can come through with all of it, and that all of us uh, and everybody out there, all the fans, and everybody stay safe and healthy throughout this what's going to be a pretty wacky season. So we we just finished a ten day Islander training camp that had a few scrimmages and a couple of practices and some interesting guys in different spots. Um, you know, we haven't, uh, as we're recording this now, they haven't released the full official roster and taxi squad, but we can kind of have a general idea based on some of the moves that they've made. And um, AJ, just from, you know, listening into Barry talk on the Zooms and, and whatever you've kind of picked up, uh, were there a couple guys that kind of opened your eyes a little bit in this in this crazy little camp? Well, you know, I think what what strikes me the most is that they really do have their core group back, right? I mean, they have that foundation that Lou and Barry started with two seasons ago. They've built on it. They've added pieces like JG Pajot last year, which in my opinion is one of the most critical pieces. Um, but, you know, I think that as they go, they're constantly tweaking this lineup. The top two lines don't look like they're going to change very much. Obviously they got Barzell signed, which was great news, um, you know, halfway through camp. And that was had everybody, I think Islanders fans holding their breath a little bit, making sure that that was going to happen. Um, you know, and I think what, and the fourth line, of course, no, no, no surprise that will stay intact. And I think the biggest question for me is who is going to be, who is ultimately going to land on that third line with JG Pajot? Um, you know, is it going to be Bellows? Is it going to be Wallstrom? There's Johnston, there's uh, Dal Cole. There are a ton of people that could be there with him. Um, I'm really excited to see what Bellows and Wallstrom offer to Barry Trotz and to see how they sort of evolve into that role. 
I expect against the Rangers that we might see Johnston there for, you know, to start the the rivalry, the crosstown rivalry, have a little bit of grit, a little bit of size in the lineup. But again, we haven't, there's no official word on that yet as we record this. Um, and then defensively, I, I'm really excited to see how Dobson, how Noah Dobson evolves, continues his evolution, really, because he was growing into the, uh, a top defenseman. We could, you could see it in his game last year, but you could see they, they, they really only played him in sheltered minutes. And with the departure of Devon Taves and uh, the early unexpected retirement of Johnny Boychuk, I think he's going to shoulder more of the burden and he's got um, Andy Green to mentor him. But, you know, I think this lineup has elements of that strong foundation with a couple tweaks that will be interesting to watch. Yeah, you mentioned Kiefer Bellows. And I think to me, maybe the he was probably the biggest eye opener through camp, um, at least among the forwards, just because, you know, he, he had a nice audition for, for eight games. He had that one game against the Kings last season where he scored twice. Uh, and he tailed off a little bit, as happens with a lot of young guys their first time up. But but I think he showed a little more awareness away from the puck than maybe the Islanders had seen at the AHL level. And he had a decent season in Bridgeport for a team that really didn't have a good year at all. Um, but then in the return to play, uh, you know, we found out after the fact he got dinged with a with a suspension for PEDs. And that kind of makes you wonder uh, a Lou Lamarillo run team when you when you run afoul of of league rules like that and you're suspended. You know, I think it was fair to wonder where he stood coming into this camp, but it seems like it was a clean slate and he's worked hard. And uh, there's a very good chance he'll be in the lineup tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I do expect that we'll see him, and I I think that there is a lot of upside. And you mentioned him playing off the puck, and that is a calling card of what Barry Trotz is looking for, right? Everybody talks about the details. And his defensive structure. And there are all these sort of key terms that we throw around with Barry Trotz. And one of them is that that sort of the, the play off the puck. How do they move their feet? How do they get open? How do they back check? What are some of those things that they do that will catch the eye? The little details that maybe won't show up on a stat sheet or won't knock or won't they won't make it into our MSG intermission highlights package. But it's those details that Barry Trotz really, um, he's becomes enamored of players that can do that. that and he always says, play the right way. Um, you know, in terms of a Lou Lamorello-led team, it is interesting. And you and I have talked off the podcast about how interesting some of his rules are and how challenging it can be for these players, for, for those of us in the media, um, for, you know, a lot of different, the, the, the staff on the team. And obviously it's worked. I mean, Lou Lamarillo has been around for a long time and he's had great success in this league, but it's also nice to know that he is willing to give players a second chance. And maybe he is evolving a little bit with the times and understanding these players are young. They make mistakes. If he's willing to sort of put the work in and earn, earn the team's trust back, then let's give him a shot. Because as I said, I think there's a lot of upside. Yeah. They really don't have a ton of, of, Guys that around that age, you know, former first round picks, it's really just him and Wallstrom and, and to, a, you know, further down the road, a guy like Simon Holmstrom who had a decent world juniors for Sweden, but uh, is still a couple of years away. So, yeah, it, you know, and, and I think finding a couple guys, as Barry talked about on the Zoom, one of the Zooms the other day. Um, he's kind of uh, he's kind of taken advantage of, of Pajot a little bit through this camp and even through uh, the playoffs where he's just relied on a guy who's so dependable, so solid up the middle that they can throw anybody out there with them and it still might have some good effect. Um, you know, so maybe I think spinning that forward to this season, you give guys like Bellows and Wallstrom, if he's able to get a shot later down, you give them a little bit more leeway to make some mistakes because they're playing with a center who's so dependable. And like you said, the Pajot acquisition 
really allows them, I think, to to maybe experiment. It's not a word that's in Barry Trotz's vocabulary when it comes to his <laughs> roster most of the time, but but I think there is a little bit more room to to let some young guys grow because they have a guy like Pajot in there. Well, and he's not Pajot is not just reliable. He is. I agree with you a hundred percent. But he's also versatile, and he can play different styles, and that's one thing that makes him so valuable, I think, to their lineup is that he's not a big guy, but he plays with a lot more size than he has. And he plays penalty kill and he plays power play and he is able to sort of adjust his game. He will always bring his all. He'll, he'll bring um, his best effort every night, but he can adjust his game based on who he's playing with. And I do think that gives them that experimentation that you're talking about. I agree with you. And I think the fact that they have the other three lines that haven't changed from last year. And so you've got that line that we call the fourth line. uh, And I think it is the fourth line, but they, they bring so much more intangible than other fourth lines in the league. And I think maybe that Pajot and the Sezikis line are sort of interchangeable third and fourth line, the way that they play. Um, so it allows some, some missteps, right? I mean, that's really what Barry Trotz in the past hasn't really used that luxury of letting kids fail. And I say kids, cause I am talking about the younger players, letting them fail, letting them screw up, letting them grow into the role. Barry Trotz, Lou Lamorello, they like to take these players and let them in gradually like they did with Noah Dobson. I think he played 34 games last season. I may be wrong on that number, but it was around that. And, you know, they, they let him travel with the team. They got the, he got the idea of being a pro being around everybody, how to do it with Johnny Boychuk and then Andy Green sort of molding him as he went. And, you know, rather than just letting them dive into the deep end and see what happens, make mistakes and learn on the job. Right. But now to your point with Peugeot, maybe they do do that a little bit. It is a short season and maybe you try to catch lightning in a bottle with some of these kids. It's not a, they don't go through the doldrums of an 82 game season. If, if Bellows comes out of the gate hot, right, you know, ride that hot streak and see what he can bring you. Yeah. And I think maybe the one other guy while we're talking about some, uh, some guys that, uh, maybe not going to, you're going to see this year, but I think a guy like Samuel Bolduc, uh, who Barry Trotz had a lot of time for and, and actually got a, got into the, kind of the, the fourth pair uh, with really the established main group before they set their roster. He's, he's a guy who doesn't need waivers. So I don't think you're going to see him. He's only 20 years old. He just turned pro. Uh, he was their second round pick in 2019. But this is a, a big defenseman who skates well, who's pretty physical. Um, you know, I think we've talked about Scott Mayfield is kind of really the only throwback big physical defenseman they've got right now. Um, and when I think you can see a kid like that, like Bolda, come in at age 20, uh, and and really handle himself well with with NHL veterans on defense. Uh, that's got to be a, a, an exciting thing for for Lamarillo and for Trotz uh, to think that this guy might be there sooner rather than later. Well, and you know that they like that that big style, right? I mean, they like you said, they really only have Mayfield as that stay at home, um, old school style. Uh, and they'll, it looks like he's going to be paired with Nick Letty, who is a, such a great skater, and he can transport the puck and offer some offense, and they can maybe pair off each other really well. Um, but I think having somebody like Bolduck, Lou Lamorello, again, he's been around. I said it before, he's had success in this league and you don't have success by looking just in the present. He has to look to the future and he has to be prepared for injuries. Right. So when he's, you know, last year, Pellick went down with that crazy Achilles injury in January and they brought in Andy Green. So, you know, he's always looking to see what's in his pipeline and to have a player like that, and to see, you know, maybe they bring him up again. This season's weird because it is a sprint. It's not a marathon. So 
he doesn't necessarily feel like he can bring in a 20 year old to travel with the team or get in a couple morning skates or practices on the road or other situations that he may do with players. Um, so I think that that is definitely going to, going to change the way that Lou can bring some of these players along. Um, but I, you know, I think knowing that he's got a player like that and knowing that Andy green, you know, he's got a, he doesn't, he's not somebody here for the long term, right. He's at the end of his career. Um, so he's got to look for who's going to fill in, fill those roles. Pelican Pollock as that top shutdown D pair, a very important role, uh, in the future of the Islanders, but not, I don't think we'll see him much this year, barring injuries, I guess. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now I think we'll uh, we'll get into what we're going to see tomorrow night. Uh, it's Islanders Rangers. You know, it, it's always a big rivalry. Uh, they're going to see each other eight times this year, and as Barry Trotz pointed out, maybe even fifteen times if they meet up in the playoffs, which would be exciting since we haven't seen an Islander Ranger playoff series in forever. Um, what AJ do you think you're going into a season? You know, Barry has kind of likened it to a bunch of little playoff series because you're going to play little two game sets either on the road or at home. Uh, you're seeing these same seven teams eight times total in a in a really tight frame of uh, of the schedule. Um, how do you have to approach it mentally? Do you think for some of these players, where you know the intensity of a playoff series is very different than the regular season, where you're kind of meandering around and playing a bunch of different teams and in a bunch of different cities, it's going to feel very different. What do you, what do you sort of see that that's going to be like? Well, you know, it's interesting because when you have to you have to come out of the gate hard, right? And you can't say that it's playoff mentality right from the beginning, but it's flirting with that. And you've got it. You can't, it's really hard to overcome a bad start when you only have 56 games. And again, in the Eastern division, there are, it's really hard to know who's going to be the top four who make it. If you look at who there's, you've got Pittsburgh and you got Philly and you got the Islanders and you've got um, Washington and you got Boston and you have these really talented teams that Whoever does come out of the Eastern Division, the top four teams will certainly be battle tested because there there is no off night. Uh, but when you're looking at these intra division divisional rivalries and playing a team like the Rangers eight times, the interesting thing to me is it's a lot less video prep. I think for the coaches, I'm sure they will still spend the hours upon hours that they do to be make sure they're prepared and pick apart everything. But they're not preparing for a two game series against or not even a series but two games that they play against the San Jose Sharks in a year that they've got to watch the video to see you know their tendencies they know them already and these players know them so it really comes down to execution and compete level and it's not about x's and o's as much because they know each other so well um and i and i can tell you as a as a former athlete and it's been many many years but team usa played team canada 
endlessly. And <laughs> part of that was just because of women's hockey where we were. But in 1998, when we led up to the Olympics, we played them 14 times <sighs> that season. And, the, and, and by the way, we were seven and seven against them when we went into the gold medal game, which we ended up winning. But it could have gone either way. And it, it really just came down to on any given night, who was ready to compete, who was ready to execute. We didn't spend time and we, I mean, we did video, but that wasn't really what it was all about. And it is a mental preparation uh, for these games and knowing that they're going to turn right around. The Islanders play the Rangers opening night and then two days later they play them again. How great is that, right? I mean, anything you got to be able to have, you got to have a short memory. You got to go to bed, shut the door on that game, learn from it, but move on and, and show up the next day. So I'm really excited about it. And I, you know, I think the lack of travel is going to help because it is a short season. There are a lot of back-to-backs. There's, you know, Barry has mentioned that with his goalie rotation. The travel is not really going to be a factor, especially in the Eastern Division. Um, so, you know, I, I think it'll be great when the NHL goes back to the 82 game season and what they usually show us. But I think for one year, this is going to be really exciting. Yeah. And I think, you know, in hearing you talk about the mental side of it being so important, um, it's hard to bet against the Islanders uh, when, you when you know, the, with a Barry Trotz coach team, a Barry Trotz prepared team with the way that they've hit the ground running in both of his years, especially last season with the 17-game unbeaten streak they had early in that season in 1920, the way that they started the playoffs, you know, the the the, ser- the preliminary series against Florida and the series against Washington was probably probably two or three of the best weeks that the Islanders have played in a long, long time, and it just showed that this was a team that knows what level they have to get to. You know, when you when you think about how they drifted a bit in in 1920, injuries obviously played a part, but um, but I think, you know, the the common refrain about a team that's maybe not as high-end skilled as some other teams is that you got to grind it out every night, and it's hard to grind out 82 games and have that sort of mental focus. But in seeing what they've done in the return to play already last summer, it gives you, I would assume, a good feeling about this team because it's there's a lot of continuity. The key guys are all pretty much the same, and they've, they know exactly what they need to do to be successful. There's no mystery to that. Well, and you know, you mentioned the Florida um, qualifying round, and then the first round of the Ants Capitals, where they were, the Islanders were flying. And but then I also look at the next round when they played Philly. Uh, Philly was built just like the Islanders, and that was one of the series to me that maybe the Islanders would argue they didn't play as well, or they didn't execute quite as cleanly in the first two rounds. But they did grit it out, right? And and you talk about that grinding factor, and they found that level, and they and they had to adjust their play to the style that Philly uh, Philly offered them, and they did just that, right? Of course, and then they go and they meet the ultimate Cup winning uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Barry Trotz has said, you know, most people in the NHL world will say how great for the Islanders they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and really gave it to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Barry Trotz, on the other hand, he said he's gonna on his deathbed. He is not going to get over that, that was loss. Dramatic, to wasn't it? That was very dramatic, <laughs> but it goes to show, he said, you know, I'm not satisfied. We didn't win the cup. And it, it shows how the mentality and the culture that he's bringing to the team. And what I'm fascinated going into this season is, is to see how the Islanders uh, handle a different expectation from the rest of the league. So the last two years, in my opinion, they've, they have that under underdog mentality and they've really, they've thrived under that. And they love coming in and proving people wrong. And now they made it to the Eastern Conference final. They people know how hard they are to play against. There is no surprise 
to what they bring and how how difficult it is to beat them. So how do the Islanders, do they, do they uh, take that and work with it and grow it and evolve it and take confidence out of it? Or is it a little bit of a different mentality? Because now they're expected to win. They've always expected to win, but the rest of the world wrote them off. Um, so I think that's going to be one of the interesting things. Again, it's a it's a 56 game season. You have they're just playing the Eastern Division, so there are a lot of different things. But I think from a mentality perspective, I'm very curious to see how they handle that. Well, if the rest of the NHL, or at least the rest of the East Division, is willing to accept that they're a good team, um, if they need some bulletin board fodder, all they need to do is look at pretty much every hockey writer's prediction or every hockey broadcaster's prediction because nobody is picking the Islanders to do anything once again. So uh, <laughs> I think they I think they can feel pretty safe in knowing that they will always uh, have to rub a little dirt off their shoulders. Uh, to, you know, uh, it's interesting though. We were asked uh, at the, um, for a couple of us that the analysts for NBC were asked for our predictions and Brian Boucher did not pick Boston. He picked Philly, Pittsburgh, Islanders and Washington to be the top four. Uh, so I think that, you know, there certainly there are certain, some people that are taking notice. Uh, again, it's going to be a very, very hard division. So it's nobody is a shoe in uh, in the Eastern Division, in my opinion. I mean, literally nobody, because there are any one team could take a get hot, ride a hot goalie, ride a hot score, whatever it may be, and, and take it to the rest of the division. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on Total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we'll finish up uh, kind of looking ahead to the the full season. AJ, you mentioned uh, Brian Boucher on the spot now, not picking the Bruins to make the playoffs. Have you kind of looked over the East Division and, and where do you see the Islanders fitting in? And is there a, a team in that division that's kind of a perennial playoff team that you think might be on the outside uh, when it's all said and done in May? You know, so I was asked to pick my top four and I left Pittsburgh off the list, which is going to be very controversial. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, again, not that I, I don't think Pittsburgh is a I don't think they're necessarily going to fall off. They are a perennial uh, playoff team. Um, I think that they actually similar to the the Bruins, they are just a little bit past their prime. They have incredible talent and they certainly have compete level. They have leadership. So they have a lot of intangibles. Um, you know, I think losing Matt Murray was big for them though. Um, but I look at the other teams, I think Philly is built for a long run. I, I think that, um, Washington is still really, really hungry. And I think Ovechkin coming off his big run last year to set the record, uh, he's still hungry. And then adding Chara was an interesting move for them. Um, you know, I do think there's no question. I think the Islanders are built for a playoff run. So I, I, to me, how it will shake out within those four, (laughs) I mean, it's going to come down. We're going to be splitting hairs. Right. And as everybody said, this, this season, every game, because they're playing within the division is a four point game. So if two teams are tied going to the last game, suddenly now they're whoever wins is up by four points, allegedly. So, you know, it's, it's sort of a, it's an interesting look at the way that these teams will shake out. But I, I think the Islanders, they, they just have all of the pieces. They have depth. They've got the culture. They've got the structure. They've got the belief in their coach and their leader. 
Um, and they really gained some valuable playoff experience two seasons ago, but then even more so this past year in the bubble. Yeah, I think, you know, I I think it's it's kind of out of those eight teams, you know, Buffalo, I think, has made a lot of changes for the better, but I still don't think defensively and goaltending, uh, goaltending wise, they're quite there at the same level. Some other teams, I think it's similar for Jersey. I really love Mackenzie Blackwood, but I don't know if he's good enough to really carry them that far. So I kind of separate those two from the other six, and I feel like you could just take the other six and put them in a hat and pick them out, and that could be the order. You know, it could be Pittsburgh missing. I do like Philly, but you know, there's it's historically goalies like Carter Hart have had some regression when they when they start to kind of assume the main role uh, in their second year. Um, Pittsburgh, they're gonna they got to get too old at some point, right? And uh, <laughs> it could all fall apart. Uh, the Islanders, I think. The main issue with the Islanders for me is depth, especially on defense. And if they get hit by a couple of injuries or any sort of situations that might arise throughout this year that uh, we are completely unforeseen, I think that could be a problem for them. Uh, and I think you can't forget about the Rangers. The Rangers probably have maybe the most skill of any team in the division and whether they can put it together with, with a new goaltending tandem without Henrik Lundqvist is going to be interesting. Um, and for me, the Caps you know, I'm a Peter Laviolette guy. Like this is a, this is, this guy is like a turnaround artist. Whenever he comes in his first or second year, he ends up in the, in the NHL, in the Stanley cup finals. It's just sort of been his way the last few stops he's made. So I'm interested to see what he can do with Washington. I think I made I threw some predictions out on Twitter last night. I had Washington, Boston, uh, Islanders and Philly as my top four, but I think that Islanders, Philly, Rangers, Pittsburgh is going to be, like you said, it's it could come down to tiebreakers. It might not be even points that separate them. So I'm going to have to brush up on the tiebreaker rules, I think, this year and <laughs> in, in many of the divisions because I, I agree with you. And, you know, it's interesting. I didn't even mention the Rangers and a lot of people, you know, it, it's it's weird for this generation of fans to see the Ra- Rangers without Lundqvist. Uh, and best wishes to him as he undergoes um, his medical yes, issues that he has. Um, but, you know, I, I think in some ways that goalie situation after Lundqvist left for Washington, I think that it, Georgiev and Shosturkin, it may balance it out in the sense of not having that three-way battle. Um, so you're absolutely right. Those two guys could to take that team and run with it. And they clearly have the offensive firepower. So that's not a question. Um, and I love David Quinn as a coach. Uh, I know Islanders fans don't want to hear that about, about <laughs> the crosstown rivals, but he was my coach for team USA. Oh, so wow. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, and so I think that he has, he can bring a lot to that team. So I, I agree, put him in a hat, pull it out, but that, how fun is that? Let's buckle up as fans and see what, see what's in store. Yeah. For uh, bringing it back to the Islanders, who do you think, uh, kind of, when the season is is done, who's going to be kind of your MVP of the Islanders and maybe a, a breakout player for you when the season is over? Yeah, I don't know if it's fair to say a breakout player because I think it started last year, but I think Anthony Bavillier is yeah. really poised for a big season. Uh, I think that he his evolution under Barry Trotz, um, especially last year. Um, where Barry Trotz really kept hammering home to him. Don't worry about scoring. Don't worry about the stats. Don't worry about the results. Worry about the process. And he kept uh, kept g- giving that message to Bovillier, and it really started to work for him, where he hustled, he played his role, he used his speed, his quick feet, and then he took advantage of that pause, and he came into camp so hungry and so fit and so quick. I don't know if he, I mean, it felt like he literally burst onto the play, bubble playoff season, uh, scene. And that was really great to see for him, um, and see some confidence. And obviously with that process focused, 
approach, he got some results too, and he was scoring some big goals for them. Um, so I expect that line, that whole line to be good with Brock Nelson, um, who's often overshadowed by Barzell as the top center. Um, in terms of MVP, I think that's a really, really interesting question. Um, I, I think that last year, Josh Bailey was quiet. And I do expect bigger things out of him this year. I don't know about MVP level, but I think he does so many little things that are underappreciated, but I expect a little bit more offensive production out of him. Um, so hmm, let's see. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a good question uh, in terms of MVP. I think I might have to give it to Brock Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. He's been certainly been the most consistent player that they've had the last two years. Uh, I'm going to vote breakout player. Um I'm going to go with Noah Dobson. I, you know, it, there's not that many young guys that are going to play regular roles in this team, but I think, you know, this is a kid who handled himself really well. You know, it, it was one game and it's the smallest sample size possible, but boy, did he, he looked really comfortable in that game six of the Eastern conference final that he had to, he was kind of pressed into service to play. Um, and that was after not playing for months and after just practicing for however it was 50 some odd days. So I, you know, I think, I think he has the sort of mental makeup to really handle the ups and downs of a season, whether he has some bad games or not. I think, like you said, pairing him with Andy Green uh, is a wise decision. You know, I, I think even as Green maybe starts to slow down a little bit, uh, Noah Dobson is going to be the one picking him up by the end of this year. This is this is a guy, and he's going to get some power play time. I think I think people are going to see uh, how well you know the, a kid who won back to back Memorial Cups. Um, was playing 30 minutes a night in junior, you know, he kind of fell off the radar a little bit last year because they didn't have much intention of playing him. But I think now that he's going to get a regular turn, people are going to see why he was such a high draft pick. And for me, it's going to sound stupid to say the MVP will be Matthew Barzell, but I think being around this guy uh, these last few years, and he always talks about his drive to be the best, to be a Patrick Kane or a Sidney Crosby. And, you know, he's got he's got the attitude and he's got the skills to match. But I think now with this contract situation done, he needs to earn his money. And I think when you see a guy who picks up his game when he's faced, facing off with a Crosby or a Patrick Kane and wants to be the, be the best of the best, now he's getting paid like one of the best too, or at least like one of the best on this team. And I think the challenge has been thrown down to, you know, to him maybe verbally by other people or maybe to himself that, this is the year you have to take a step forward and not, you know, fart around on the power play with the puck too much or, uh, you know, kind of shirk off some responsibilities at the other end. I think he wants to make himself the star of this team, the MVP of this team, and I think we're going to see it this year. So, um, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's an important year for him in his own mind uh, to want to get to that next level and, and be the guy that's going to get $10 million a year when, when it's all said and done, you know, by the time his next contract comes around. So... Um, I'm eager to see that that coming. Um, so I think that's about all we've got for this week. Uh, AJ Maletsko, new co-host of No Sleep Till Belmont. Thank you. First episode, first official episode went uh, as smoothly as possible. I really appreciate it. In between all of your other duties, it's it's great to have you on board. All good. I'm so excited that hockey is back, and uh, I'm excited about this podcast. I can't wait for the next episode. We'll be back again next week. Just want to say thanks for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating and review if you're enjoying the show. It really helps us out. And you could subscribe to The Athletic for $3.99 a month by visiting theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont. See you next week, everybody. Thanks a lot.